Are you tired of feeling stuck in a cycle of scarcity, knowing deep down that you're destined for so much more? Do you yearn to elevate your wealth and manifest a life overflowing with abundance? Well, get ready to embark on a transformational journey because the free Money Mindset Workshop is back and better than ever. Mark your calendars for Friday, May the 31st at 6pm UK time, where we'll be diving into the secrets of unlocking all that prosperity. If you can't make it live, no worries, you'll still have access to the replay so you won't miss a single nugget of wisdom. So why should you join me for this life-changing free workshop? Firstly, we're going to shake off those limiting beliefs and mindset blocks that have been holding you back. It's time to break free and unleash the full potential of your money mindset. Then we'll be talking about manifesting wealth and success like never before. So say goodbye to just dreaming and hello to turning those dreams into tangible realities. And let's not forget about the cash flow because we're going to explore all the ways that money can flow into your life, enriching it beyond measure. Some of you might be wondering, does mindset really work? Absolutely. This workshop will serve as your guide and light, showing you how mindset shapes your reality and empowers you to actively pursue your goals. So whether you're a newbie to positive money mindset or a seasoned pro, this workshop is designed for you. If you're ready to see a significant transformation in your wealth and you're eager to embrace new techniques for inviting prosperity into your life, then you belong here. So what's on the agenda? We've got a 90-minute interactive session where we'll tackle those limiting beliefs head-on and uncover the abundance waiting to be embraced. Just imagine, instead of struggling, you could manifest money faster easier and with less effort. Are you ready to step into a life of abundance? Join me Friday, May the 31st for my free money mindset workshop. To sign up for your free place, visit cannycrystalsacademy.co.uk forward slash workshop. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Canny Crystals, the podcast. I hope that you're all well and having an amazing week so far. As you know by now, my name is Mart. I am your host, and this week I've got a guest on the show. So he's walked across fire with Tony Robbins. He's climbed sub-zero mountains with Wim Hof. He's drank ayahuasca with shamans, and he's even lived in a Buddhist temple for two years. He recently trained in hypnotherapy and started his own business, The High Performance Therapist. So please welcome Scott Lester Woods to the show. Scott, how are you? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Mark. Really excited to be here. Oh, amazing. So basically for everyone listening, when I was at that event, you know, with Fern Cotton a couple of weeks ago, one of the nights everyone had a party and there was a free bar and we spent so long trying to get served and the music was just too loud that you just couldn't talk. So we found this other bar on the top floor of the hotel instead and Scott and his friend Mike came over to say hi and we got talking and I just thought that they would both make for really interesting guests. So Scott, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and just tell us a bit about your journey, why you started The High Performance Therapist? Sure. So I would say with the hip- hypnosis and hypnotherapy generally, um, I've been doing that, I think it's coming up to about nine years now. Oh, wow. Um, so it's been a while. Um, I've trained with lots and lots of different hypnotherapists, trained lots of different modalities. Um, but it started, I think, the way that most stories start, which is generally, especially with the, the wonderful world of comparison of social media, you look around and everyone's having an amazing life. And everyone seems to be having the time of their lives. Everyone seems to have the good genetics and the great brain. And I remember about 12... 11 12 years ago i just thought oh I, my brain must be broken like every, everyone else got the really really good genes got the great brain and, and there must be something wrong with mine and at the time i didn't realize in it looking back i now know that it was it was depression and anxiety which sadly isn't that uncommon now and um, but i didn't realize that because even though there's a lot more awareness about mental health um i don't think the solutions are quite caught up but even 12 years ago you know, as well as I do, that depression, anxiety was still, no one really spoke about it. It was, it was weird. It was, um, it was very, very um, judged. And so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm just broken. So I thought, right, let's, let's see if I can fix this brokenness in me and just started delving down a rabbit hole of books and personal development seminars, events, like you know, the, the ones that we got to, to meet at. Um, and some of it was really helpful and some of it didn't really do anything. And, and, you already know from from the guide, which maybe we can speak about later, a lot of those experiences were extraordinary and powerful, like walking across fire with Tony Robbins, like climbing the mountains with Wim Hof, like even living in the Buddhist temple. Um, as wonderful as those experiences were, they never necessarily led to an immediate or very long-lasting change. And so I wanted to work out what's actually going on, what's actually stopping me from feeling okay. And then most importantly, that a lot of people don't talk about, being okay about being okay. Because very often, if you're depressed or anxious, and suddenly you're not depressed and anxious anymore, you would think that would be wonderful. It's not. It's really confusing because you're expecting to go back to that place after a matter of time. And so it was trying to work out what's actually going on. And so after I started to understand that, oh, my brain isn't actually broken, it was just wired from a particular way because of the experiences that I'd had growing up, and that there's something I can do about it. Um. Not to mention that actually I've still got the same brain that cavemen had 14,000, 100,000, 200,000 years ago, and that this brain wasn't supposed to live in this kind of society. And realizing that, oh, a little bit like if you took a chimpanzee out of its environment, away from its tribe, and put it in you know, an isolated room, shone blue lights in its face, stopped it from moving, stopped it from eating well, stopped it from socializing as much, making sure it got worse sleep. Do you think that chimpanzee would start to flourish? 
and it's like well of course not it would start to it would start to feel broken i realized oh that's that's what's happened with me and so i i did that started to to train in several modalities like we mentioned i, I went to four different hypnosis schools and um, trained in emdi did cbt training and like i said I had those experiences that were also wonderful and then i i popped them on top of each other but the really interesting part and if you want i can explain why high performance therapy is different and high performance therapy itself you said i recently became a hypnotherapist i recently became a high performance therapist Um, and it was all based on one lecture that i heard from a guy called dr richard bandler who i trained with in in 2015 he he came up with neuro-linguistic programming and it wasn't actually nlp that changed the game for me it was this realization he was speaking about a chiropractor called moshe and you might know most chiropractors, you go to see them and they will jam your spine back into place. Yeah. People get off the table and they go, oh, I've been, I've been clicked all over and now I feel, feel like I can breathe differently. I feel like I'm walking differently. I feel like I'm standing differently. And they'll go on their way. And then what happens? A week, a month goes by. They need to go back to the chiropractor. Mm-hmm. And what this guy was doing, Moshe, is he would take them more out of alignment so they'd get up off the chair and they weren't suddenly corrected. They'd be walking almost in circles because they were so uneven. And then slowly, their body would start to correct itself and they would walk and they wouldn't need to come back to him. And I thought, huh, that's really interesting. What if the body and what if the mind knows how to correct itself and actually it doesn't need a therapist like me to be a chiropractor to jam things back into place? Mm. What if it just needs permission to go back to its state? Because I wasn't born with the feeling or the thought that I might be broken. Most people who are listening to this who have limiting beliefs, they weren't born with that. They were taught it. And so what if this is just a matter of unlearning those things? What if it's a matter of just taking someone back to their original baseline? And that's what the difference is. As opposed to most hypnosis trying to correct someone's limiting beliefs, we actually take your brain back to the back to the ideal state that it was born in. If that if that makes sense, I'm more than happy to to unpack that. Yeah, it, it does. Because I was going to ask, like, you know, with EMDR and NLP, like a lot of like hypnotherapists and stuff, and just psychotherapists even would say, "Oh, I trained in EMDR, trained in NLP, and I don't use it anymore." And I know you said that in a recent podcast episode because I listened to it, and you were like, "Oh, I don't." you really use nlp anymore so how can we utilize things that we learn like that to change our emotional state like emdr and hypnotherapist how can that all change our emotional state you mentioned there about you know limiting beliefs so how can we erase those and like start fresh okay so there's a few different ways to go about i can explain that really there's only four ways to really change the brain okay Um, and the first one is repetition so people say repetition is the mother of all skill. They say that for a reason. It's true. If you do something long enough over and over again, eventually, because the brain is always constantly changing, it's always trying to figure out, how do I just get through another day safely? It's constantly using the outside world as feedback. So if you start to do something very consistently, eventually the old neural pathways that you were using that might have been involved in a negative thought or a negative habit, because you're not using the energy towards that, it'll literally start to wither away and it will transform and mold itself into the new way of being. The downside with that is that depending on the belief, depending on the habit that you want to change, some people say, oh, well, it takes 21 days to change a habit. And then some more research came out and said, well, actually, it's 66 days. None of those are true. Depending on the habit that you want to change is going to be depending on how easy it is. If you're going to the gym three days a week and you want to go four, it's not going to take that long for someone to do that versus Mm -hmm. if they've 
um, you know, never trained and they suddenly want to start going four days a week. There's a whole, there's a lot more energy that needs to be put into those neural pathways. So the downside to that is that it might take such a long time of someone having to do that habit over and over again, and it feels alien to them, that they might not do it for long enough to the point that they'll stick with it and allow the change to happen. They might go 30 days when actually they needed 90 days to change the habit. Yeah. So that's 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 method one. So that's one way that people can start to change things. The second way, which you talk about, is and, and what we're really having this conversation about, is altered states. So meditation, ecstatic dance, EMDR, hypnosis, um, plant medicines, you name it. Anything that takes your brain into an altered state that allows you to rewrite some of these limiting beliefs. And I, I can explain how shortly. I know that's the main question you asked, but I want to make sure that people have a foundation of understanding yeah, yeah. about it. The third one that will change the brain is trauma. And and we know this. So people say, well, you, ha- you, know, you have these results with people. It can't last. It's like trauma can last. If it's a big enough experience where your brain says, well, I thought reality was different to this, and now I have to reshift myself so that I can I can make sense of the world. People will be in a traumatic state for a long time, and and there can be good trauma and bad trauma. So, Mike, for example, who I, I think you might be having on as well, his whole life changed, and he might go into this when he went through a divorce. That sounds like a bad mm. trauma. But every gift that he has in his life now, every reason for why he's proud to be the man he is today is because of that initial event. It was, I thought my life was going to do this. Life suddenly did this. And now I have to adjust. And, and it took him down a lovely path. Most trauma, though, as you probably already know, it's about it's going to be a negative experience. It's I went through something, life changed, and now I feel stuck. My brain feels completely changed. and I don't know if I can get it back. The fourth one is quite similar to the first one, repetition. It's osmosis. So that's why I lived in the Buddhist temple. It's if I can hang around with other people who have those shared limiting beliefs, just through osmosis, just through being around them, eventually it's only a matter of time before I change because we all want the respect and love of those around us. And so we'll do what we can to fit in with that. We will change our standards. So something like EMDR relies on something called bilateral stimulation. It's the idea of can you move a memory or an idea from one part of the brain to another? Um, and this might be a really handy thing for your audience to know. If there is something, especially that's more than 18 months old, that still bothers you, you still think about it, you go, there's this emotional feeling that comes up. There's a rawness still attached to that memory. It means that your brain is going, we don't know what this means. We don't know where to put this. It's almost like someone brought a big stack of books back to the library and the librarian saying, I don't know what shelf to start with here. Yeah. And, and what we do through hypnosis, or and you can do it through meditation as well, is you can finally give the brain permission to start sorting those books out. There's a real secret, though, that a lot of people don't speak about. Your brain is trying to do this every single night when you're sleeping. So when, you, when you're going to sleep, there's a particular phase of sleep called REM sleep, where your brain is literally trying to do that. The problem is, is one, if you're not getting enough sleep, or two, if the pile of books that's come back is way too much to deal with, you're not going to be able to process that, which is why sometimes these other modalities can be helpful because they give the the librarian another tool or a bit more time to say, right, where are we going to put these books? It's a really good analogy, actually, because usually when I go to bed, I will put subliminals on or something like that because, you know, when you're in that theatre mode just before you, like, drop off to sleep, You've obviously, you've got your subliminals going on. You've got your affirmations being played into your head. So is that going to affect us being able to, you know, put those books away on the shelf because we're otherwise occupied or? 
truth is, Mark, I'm not sure. I know that when you're going through that phase of sleep, you're going through a phase of hypnosis to get to sleep all the time anyway. So when you're putting that yeah. on as you're going to sleep, you can do it any time of day, but that is absolutely when you'd get the most bang for your buck. Whether it conflicts with wanting to put your books away, I don't know. The reason for that is because REM normally happens in the second half of sleep. So the first half of sleep, your body is basically saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to try and physically repair you first because if you wake up in the middle of the night, there's a saber-toothed tiger there, I don't need you to be emotionally well. I need you to be able to run. Yeah. I don't know. I know it's, it's a great question. It's something I'd love to find the answer to though. So what's superconscious coding? Because I know you've mentioned this before and I tell like my followers that, you know, to enable us to manifest what we want in life, we need to be in such a good headspace, you know, in terms of mental well-being. So... What is superconscious coding and how can that coding kind of allow us to change these limiting beliefs? Sure. So the difference between superconscious coding and most conventional therapies, and if someone's listening to this and they're not watching, I want them to imagine uh, like a big iceberg. And on, on the surface of this iceberg, you've got the conscious mind. It's the part of the brain that we're using right now. It's You can really only think about seven things, plus or minus two, when you're sort of consciously aware. Um. But then below that, you've got the subconscious mind, or you've got the the source, you've got the innate intelligence within your body mm. that is responsible for 97% of your thoughts, beliefs, and actions. What most therapy does is, let's say we take counseling or psychotherapy, it's about saying, can we try and get stuff from the subconscious up past the surface to the top bit of the iceberg so that we're consciously aware of why we're doing what we're doing? And when we talk about it, hopefully that's going to be able to change the direction to where we're going. What most conventional hypnotherapy will do is it will say, let's try and go into the subconscious and let's rewrite that program. Let's rewrite that limiting belief. Mm. You've got this limiting belief, let's change that. EMDR, you've got this memory, let's, let's neutralize that. There's a downside to that though, because what you're consciously aware of is so minimal compared to all the subconscious aspects. What I mean by that is someone can go to a counselor and every week a new realization will pop up meaning that when the hypnotherapist goes in to try and change a limiting belief, how do they know that's actually the right limiting belief to deal with? When someone says, I know why I feel this way because of this thing that happened when I was eight, how do you know that's the only memory? Mm. You're using the conscious mind in an attempt to be able to completely guide where you're going, but your conscious mind has no idea as to what's really down there. So what superconscious coding does is it says, hang on a second, there is an innate intelligence in your body, in your mind. So a newborn baby, when it starts to, when it's just a cell in the uterus and then it starts to replicate, no one knows. Why is it that when it's been replicated as the same cell, why is it that cell 16 up here knows later on to become part of a baby's head? Mm. Why is it that this cell here knows to become part of a baby's foot? It's, it's, the information is spread throughout all of it. So why does this one know how to, to be different later on? And um, no one really knows the answer, but the idea is that there is this innate intelligence in your body that knows how to make the blueprint of Mark, yeah. that knows how to make the blueprint of Scott. And so that innate intelligence knows what harmony is for you and what disharmony is for you. It knows what um, you know, ease is and it knows what dis-ease is. And so what I do, what superconscious does, because I just refer to it as the superconscious, is we speak to that part and we say, hey, Mart's currently got these limiting beliefs. He might know some of the reasons. I certainly won't know all the reasons. We might know some of the limiting beliefs, but we won't know all the limiting beliefs. Can you go find all the memories related to this? 
can you go find all the beliefs, all the parts? And, and this might be, I'm not sure if I believe in it, but this might be memories from a past life that we didn't know. It might be a part of the personality that we didn't even know existed. It might be a memory that you have no idea of because it's lost somewhere in the subconscious. We ask that to go find it all. And when that happens, that's when you can make true transformations because that will know what to heal much better than you consciously do, yeah. much better than I would as an outside therapist. And so that's what superconscious coding does. It's speaking to that innate intelligence to say, hey, you know what, what harmony is for Mark much better than I do. Why don't you open the doors to be able to do that, to bring him back to his ideal state? And we've had this clinically tested now, and it literally, you can see before and after brain scans where the brain returns to what the... the basically the technical director of this institute said is the ideal state it's wow i can suddenly see the world through the eyes of how things are yeah. actually everything's okay i'm no longer loaded with the baggage of the past because this thing was able to find all the right places to put this books in the in the library for me i find stuff like this fascinating you know and i've always been like really really interested in it way before i was interested in spirituality or manifestation or anything so can you tell me then, Scott, like how does neuroscience kind of link with the principles of manifestation, you know, in terms of manifestation as in like, you know, I'm not thinking like just sit there, wish for it and it's going to drop out the sky because shit like that just doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I always say to people like visualize it in your mind. If you can visualize it in your mind, it's possible. So that gives you a booster. And then you're obviously going to take that inspired action because no one sat at the front of a marathon is going to imagine themselves winning unless they start moving the feet. Do you know what I mean? I'd say you've always got to put in that inspired action. Yes. You've always got to, you know, meet the universe halfway, so to speak, and then you'll get to where you want to be. But I do think it's all to do with determination and focus and being motivated and getting yourself in the right mindset. So how does neuroscience link with that? So there's, a, there's a few different um, avenues that we can go in with that. First of all, if I was to put um, put you in an MRI machine, so magnetic resonance imaging, which basically looks at which parts of the brain are lighting up right now. And I said, Ma, I want you to imagine going into the kitchen, opening up the uh, the fridge door, and just looking and counting how many shelves you have. Mm -hmm. And then if you were to actually do it, the same parts of the brain would light up. So there is a sense that when you're visualizing that stuff, the mind can't really tell the difference between fiction and reality mm -hmm. at that point. Which is why, by the way, people have the ability to feel anxious. Yeah. No one has ever felt anxious while just sitting there being present. It's impossible. The only way that anyone can ever feel worried, anxious, depressed, is if there's a part of their mind that leaves the present moment, goes into a future that hasn't happened, that doesn't actually exist, play the worst case scenario, and then their body's starting to say, oh, that's happening now. Yeah. And the body starts to, to act. So, so what you're talking about, the neuroscience behind that is the alternative to that it's your body being able to accept that oh this isn't too unfamiliar to us because we've kind of been here before because our body and our, and our brain has gone through the same steps is it, it's why when someone feels anxious about going to the party and then they go to the party and they actually feel anxious at the party it's because the brain said ha, we knew this was coming yeah. and so the idea of being able to do that on the flip side of well no i went to the party and, and i imagine what it was like just being in flow and having the best time of my life when you go to the party the brain has an extra permission to go, oh yeah, it's okay. We've done this before. I love like hearing all this science. <laughs> so I can tell you what happened in our before and after brain scans, if you liked. Yeah. So, so I don't want to get too technical, but right now people might've heard of an ECG. So basically mm -hmm. a device that looks at the electrical rhythms of the heart. 
And um, there is also something called an EEG or a QEG machine. Yeah. And that looks at the electrical rhythms of your brain. And so right now, as we're having this conversation, Mark, you would see that there'd be a high level of an electrical rhythm called beta. When someone's in a really nice meditation, that they'd see another wave that's a bit slower, that would be an alpha wave. It, when people are in the shower and they suddenly go, oh, that, that's what I should do. It's because they're in a high level of, of alpha activity. Hmm. Hypnosis is when someone's in sort of um, a, quite a deep level of what's known as theta. So it's almost like a really deep daydream at that point. And when you're asleep, you're going to get a, a big part of, it, of something called a delta wave. So when I'm working with someone, I want them to be really low alpha, theta, sort of in that really deep daydream where we get access to the where we get access to the subconscious. What we showed though, and this is something that I learned for the first time as we went through the experience, looking at um, sort of brain maps before and after, is not that we want to judge brain waves, so not that we want to say that there's good alpha waves and bad alpha waves, but when someone is worrying or when someone is daydreaming about the worst case scenario, they can still have levels of alpha. They mm-hmm. can be in a light trance imagining the worst case scenario. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But when someone is thinking about something really positive and they're completely present and they're in that light trance, just being able to open up their vision and see everything for what it is and just know that it's okay, you'll see an alpha wave, but there'll be a particular resonance to that wave that you don't get when someone's picturing something negative. No one knows why that is, but they do know that that is a distinct pattern. What we were able to do is we were able to increase that alpha resonance by 400% to this process which you don't normally see unless you've been meditating for, for 20 years. And you know, I, Mike was one of the people that we did this on, 15 minutes. Mike will tell you himself, he can't really meditate. He doesn't like it. A lot of people who, who jump into meditation, it can be hell for the first three months. It certainly was for me because it's like, hey, do you fancy just sitting and being with all the shitstorm of your thoughts coming after you one at a time? Um, don't worry, it'll clear in three months. For a lot of people, they think, oh, that's that's really challenging. But this was able to take that brain state um, to that to a place of someone who's been doing this for 20 years and, and that was with someone who couldn't meditate very well um, so that that seems to be what's happening in the brain that, that the alpha resonance is is just going through the roof and that's allowing you to be able to to see the world without the panic because we're not being chased by saber-toothed tigers yeah. anymore actually yeah. when you look around you in this moment if you're able to listen to this podcast you're safe yeah and so for your brain to really connect the dots and go oh yeah we're okay right now. We can give ourselves the permission to be okay. That could be really powerful. 
It is kind of generational trauma, isn't it? And it's like just how yeah. we've evolved over the years. Like you say, from caveman times, like to imagine this saber-toothed tiger being like in our face when we wake up, because that's what our ancestors probably had to deal with like many years ago. But yeah. we've evolved from that now, but we've still got that generational trauma because we've carried it on. Um, can I touch back on what you said at the start about, you know, living in a Buddhist temple for two years, drinking ayahuasca with shamans, what was all that like? What did you learn from those? Because I know in reading your book, you said that you'd felt like you'd pissed the money up the wall from doing those experiences. <laughs> so I just thought, like, surely you learned something about yourself. Yeah. No, I, I, you, you, you're right. I think it was it was a bit unfair. And I, I think I did also say in the book, these were wonderful experiences. Yeah. They, they really were wonderful. But if a year went by and I look back, would I say, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a different person from that? And it, the answer was sadly no. And it, and it took a while to, to have to admit that, by the way. Um, so I can talk to you both. So the, the Buddhist temple, that started because I went traveling and I just learned to scuba dive and I, I ended up being completely deaf and I was stuck on this island in Thailand called Koh Pipia. It, it's near where they filmed uh, yeah. the film The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, and I remember sitting on the beach and I had I was, I was sort of journaling a lot at the time and I, I was journaling on a tablet and then there was this screensaver and this screensaver had three, three sort of big pillars, big rocks in the middle of the water. And I looked up and I realized I'm I'm sitting in the exact same place where this picture was taken. That was a screensaver. It wasn't a picture that I'd taken before. It was just like the perfect. Yeah. yeah. And I realized, Oh no, I've traveled 7,000 miles and I've brought the same miserable guy with me because I'm, I'm in a like picture perfect destination. Most people would be at home working. They'd see that screensaver and they go, I'd love to be there. I am there. And I still feel absolutely miserable. And so I realized, okay, if, if I, really want to change it's it's got nothing to do with trying to just build the life i want it's about trying to build the internal life yeah. that i want as well yeah and so i went back to the uk and, and that's where i joined uh, a buddhist temple I, I was very upfront and i said i'm i'm not a buddhist to this day i'm still not a buddhist but i'm fascinated by the philosophy mm. and again going back to that that fourth way of how does the brain change osmosis i thought if i hang around with people in a buddhist temple what will happen and um, and the answer was was a lot a lot can happen um, it didn't make me wealthier. Um, you know, it didn't make me healthier either. But it certainly allowed me to be one more resilient. And two, it gave me an internal sense of peace. And I, I can give you uh, the, the perfect story that that, that, that I suppose um, uh, it gives that away, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was my it was my twenty fifth birthday, and I was seeing my girlfriend at the time. And I suddenly got a call from this Buddhist temple, and they said, "Scott, I'm I'm so sorry. Someone's come into your into your room, and they've stolen everything." The, the, someone's broken into the temple and i thought i know what's going on here they they want me to come back so there's a surprise party it's oh, like okay. this yeah cheeky nuns cheeky cheeky monks let's let's go back and very kind and so i went back and i and i walked through the door and i, I say to the main nun matri i said okay you've got me where's the stripper and she, quick as a flash she said he, he's in there dressed as a police officer i went oh okay so i walked in and suddenly this it turned out that I had actually been robbed. Pretty much everything had been stolen. My my laptop, some clothes, even some birthday presents that someone had left outside the door, all been oh all been God. taken. Thankfully, I had my wallet and my phone on me, but tablet, computer, anything else of value, all, all gone. The Buddhists weren't sorry for me at all. They didn't really care. And um, what they did say was, "God, that's that's really bad karma for that guy. I hope he's okay." 
And and the reason that they did that wasn't because they were heartless or had, you know, complete <laughs> a lack of empathy. It was because they thought, why on earth would anyone let things dictate their happiness? It's like it was just it's just stuff. Yeah. So so you, you can own as much as you like, but why on earth would you let it own you? And so it was really interesting that I had lots of other people saying, oh, are you okay? Oh, that must be, feel so bad. It's all went into your personal space and they took everything. And these guys just said, no, hey, it's thank goodness it's a problem that could just be solved with a bit of money if you work hard. And, and it was this wonderful realization to go, oh, yeah, I have a choice. I could, I could feel, I could, I could allow myself to suffer right now. And it's not like, oh, I'll take it on the chin. But it's actually, I might finally give myself the permission to zoom out and recognize that, oh, it was just stuff. Yeah. Like, like, like what did they really take away from me? And, and obviously, I made the joke saying, oh, does, does this bad karma going to get my laptop back? Is that, is that what that means? But, um, but no, that, that was really powerful to recognize that, oh, yeah, I, I really can give myself the permission to own anything I want, but I never need to let anything own me. We do have an, quite an emotional attachment to objects as such, don't we? And, you know, like what you were saying earlier in terms of Instagram, we see everyone else living the high life and we think that that's what we've got to do to achieve happiness as well. And sometime last year, I went and test drove a Range Rover because, nice. do you know what it is? Like I was looking at them, people on my estate have them and I was like, they seem really, really happy. I'm going to get a Range Rover. And don't get us wrong, I'm I'm a really, really happy person. It's now sat on my drive, do you know what I mean? I, I actually, like, got it. But it Brilliant. didn't make me any more of a happier person for it. I thought it would be like, oh, my God, living the life, driving yeah. around, windows down, blasting music, I'm out the window. Yeah. It, it's not. It's just like I get in the car, I go to work, and I come home, and that's it. I go and do my food shopping once a week in it. It's not like it brings me any internal happiness or in i think i was just looking for validation in all the wrong places if i'm totally honest yeah. and, and it's, it's so trite to say this but even when people say that's it i'm going to get the car or i'm going to grow my business to this there's this weird contract that one part of your brain has set up with another part of your brain which is when this thing happens because mm. it's never the car that ever gave you that feeling even when you test drove it it, mm. it was you that finally gave yourself the permission to say i'm going to be present and happy right now yeah and um, so there's this weird contract that a lot of people set up with themselves. I've absolutely done it before. Um, I, I did it with my business. When I, when I said, when I, when I get to, you know, I think it was, when I get to over 20K per month, I'm, I'm going to be so much happier. It's like, <laughs> not, not even close. If anything, it was quite a downer because it was just another enforcement of, oh no, it's, it's only you that ever gives yourself that permission. Um, yeah. And and so it's really easy to get lost in that. That no, I, I, I know that you know, money doesn't make me happy or I know this thing won't make, make me happy, but... But what if what if this thing does? Uh, what if yeah. this with the Range Rover is the one thing that does slip through the net that actually does make me happy? But it, it always goes down to the same thing of it's it, it's always your choice. It's always the permission that you're giving yourself. Um, it, it's a weird um, it's a weird game that we play with ourselves. Yeah, I love that analogy. So, what does a typical session look like with you then, Scott? Like, talk me through what you would deep dive into. Because I've got a few different clinics, and and I teach other hypnotherapists how to do this. I realise that this is one thing that I don't know how I'm consciously doing it anymore. It's just you do it for nine years. You you, you do anything for nine years. You, you you know, it's quite difficult to stay bad at it. Um, yeah. It's I'm very good at listening to what someone has to say, and then being able to find the root story the root belief, but more importantly, something we haven't spoken about, the root identity that they have for themselves that needs to be shifted. So people talk about limiting beliefs a lot. I talk about it a lot in, in the book. Something that a lot of people don't talk about is identity, which is all the stories 
that you say about yourself, about who you are, not what you can do about who you are. It's not that someone has anxiety, it's that someone's an anxious person. So yeah, I've always been an overthinker, I've always been a worrier. So that there is a statement that someone says, no, this is who I actually am. And so what can happen, or let's say someone says, yeah, but I'm I'm just poor. Or Mm -hmm. or someone says, "Um, I work with a lot of people for their their health and well-being, and they'll say, "I've, I've always been the big girl. That's just that's just me. And so what happens, I'll, I'll use Nanji for weight loss because I think it's the one that will hit home the most, is let's say someone says, no, I'm, I'm at this particular weight. Let's say I am 13 stone. And what can happen is they might start to lose weight and they get down to 12 or 11 stone. And then they say, for some reason, I start self-sabotaging myself and I go back to being 13 stone. Or what happens the other way is they put on lots of weight from 13 stone they get 14 stone 14 and a half and they see a photo of themselves and they go well that's not me i'm i'm a 13 stone person and they go back to that and so very often it's because it's that root identity of this is who i am and i think tony robbins says there is nothing more powerful in the human universe than trying to stay aligned to the identity that we have for ourselves and so what i want to do is i want to shift that identity of as opposed to being an anxious person that doesn't have anxiety anymore what if you just weren't an anxious person anymore or someone who um says i'm poor it's like what actually what if you were someone who had the capabilities of being truly wealthy and because of that you're someone who is already a millionaire that hasn't actually had their check given to them yet it's that could that could shift or a lot of business owners they have a real um difficulty getting over the six or the seven figure mark in their business and it's like oh yeah but if i'm a millionaire that means that this about me it's like that's not that's not true. So a session with me, normally the first half is being able to just listen to them, find out what's the identity that's holding the back. What's the several stories? The second half is when we do that superconscious coding. It's putting them into, sometimes it doesn't need to be a deep trance. It could be a light trance and it can be getting that superconscious to just slowly take that brain back into harmony. So they realize that one, they don't have to judge themselves anymore. Two, they're enough. Three, that they're capable. And then four, if there's any other memories that need to be treated, we can we can treat those as well. And Mark, I've seen PTSD for 12 years disappear in 17 minutes with this process. Wow. It's you get to see some wonderful things because a lot of people will know why they why something happened, why they feel the way they do. This time, almost the day last year, I had a lady who came to see me who was sexually attacked and she had two years of psychotherapy. She was journaling every day. She was considering getting chemically castrated. 15 minutes, we were able to deal with that because that superconscious realized, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not in a state of harmony, but I know how to be. And so we finally gave permission for the brain to, to return back. So it's in short, it's what's the identity? What's the main story that's holding you back? We don't need to know why. We don't need to know all the memories because our superconscious will do that for us. I just need to know what that key story is so that we can safely take you out of that trance. Because like we said, people weren't born with that. They learned it. They were put into a trance. Most six-year-olds, six to seven-year-olds are in a perpetual state of hypnosis. So that's where they start to learn a lot of their habits. They start to learn how the world works. They start to learn who they are in conjunction with other people. And so it's what's the identity that you were put into a trance to receive in the past? And then let me help you take you out of that trance. That's the way they would normally, normally look like. Stuff like this absolutely fascinates me. And I think I told you on the night as well that hypnotherapy in particular really fascinates me. Like I've always been one for watching Durham Brown that kind yeah. of thing, you know, I don't, do you watch Durham Brown? Yeah, I, I went to one of his live shows and I then went the oh, second cool. night because I was, I was just obsessed. It got to go on stage. It was, that, that was, that was awesome. I just, yeah, I, I find watching him like mesmerizing almost. It's almost like you're in a trance while you're watching yeah. him. 
But I think just some of the things that he does now, I've read his book as well. And hypnotherapy has, it's just become so much more mainstream nowadays. Mm. You used to think about it in the olden days of someone like swinging a little pocket watch. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, dancing like a chicken, eating a raw onion. <laughs> or like, look into yeah. my eyes, look into my eyes. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's that was all bullshit really, wasn't it? It was just a way yeah. of like relaxing someone and getting them into a state of trance. But what kind of techniques do you use on yourself to, you know, ensure your optimal mental well-being and live in your daily life? Do you meditate or do you kind of put yourself in hypnosis? Do you listen to your own YouTubes? What do you do? <laughs> Listen to my, I don't do that. And even the idea of that seems weirdly narcissistic. <laughs> I know if I listen to this guy <laughs> for this sultry voice. Now, um, so, so I do self-hypnosis on myself every single night. Um, I, I used to meditate. I mean, I mean, living in the Buddhist temple, you, you can't live with Buddhists and not meditate daily. There'd, yeah. there'd be a lovely room where you would go there and you'd meditate. And that was, that was extraordinary. But, um, but no, I, I find that meditate hypnosis is almost like, um, meditative surgery. It's meditation is more about normally just being there and, and just understanding all the things that come up and, and expanding your awareness. Hypnosis is normally a little bit more goal orientated. And, and just yeah. quickly, Mark, going back to something that you mentioned a, a second ago, just to debunk some myths. At hypnosis people still feel like oh am i going to be hypnotized can i be hypnotized and and will i lose control it's mm-hmm. and, and that's why the people who come to see me they, they have to be at a particular place in their life they have to be at a threshold and because me there is no hypnotist hypnotherapist that can make you do something you do not want to do and yeah. um, it's, it's a little bit like breathing most people go into hypnosis every night when they go to sleep and, and they wake up yeah. um but no i i only discovered a year ago that that super conscious coding you can do it on yourself which, which I really thought wasn't possible. So I want to do more more clinical studies on that, to be honest. But but I do it every night, almost without without fail. Um, and that seems to have served me really well. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a great process. And, and then there's other things. You know, I've, I'm, I've been dubbed the sleep Nazi. I'm very, very <laughs> particular with, with making sure that I, that I get I get right, you know, the right sleep. And I've got all sorts of hacks and tricks that I do to, to be able to sleep well, because if I'm it's that whole thing of if I know how important REM is, so I want to make sure yeah. that every night that librarian is putting the books in the right places. So, so I do everything I can to make sure that's that's optimal, which, which which it normally is. So tell us about your free book then, Scott, because um, becoming limitless, unleashing high performance, conquering limiting beliefs, and supercharging success. How did that come about? Because I read it last week. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's only about eighty pages, isn't it? And I love that because I felt like I could get through it in one sitting. And most of all, it's free, like I say. And I will pop the link in the show notes for this episode for people to have a read when they can. So how did it all come about and what's it about? Sure. So so the idea is a lot of people wanted to know, okay, what are you doing and how does it work and is it possible? Because even there's a lot of people listening to this, Mark, who are listening to this. They might find it interesting, but there's a part of them that's still thinking, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, And so I wanted to be able to put something together that was actually valuable for someone that could help them really understand why aren't I where I want to be yet? And because there's lots of different theories out there, I've looked at a lot. I mean, I've, I've, I've delved into a lot of rabbit holes from the scientific side, also the spiritual side with the Buddhist temple and, and the ayahuasca. And, and as I say, at the beginning of the book, like we spoke about before, before the recording, um, so many people will buy a book and they'll, they'll go through the book thinking, there we go, I've read another book. And they'll, they'll put it on the, the bookshelf and they won't do anything about it and so what i wanted to do is i thought well i've done that with hundreds of books like hundreds of books i've read and it became more about how can i just read as many books as possible because i'll feel smarter if i do that yeah. 
And so I thought, well, most books normally have like three great points in them, maybe only one that you will apply. And most people pay like 15 pounds for that. So I thought, why don't I take the best of 450 books, eight years of psychotherapy, and just distill it into a 40, 50 minute read. Like so that every sentence, every paragraph has something that you can hopefully take away or understand and also debunk some of the myths. Because a lot of people will read a book or they'll read 10 or they'll read 100. I remember reading 300 and still realizing, oh no, nothing's changed. Um, and people don't really know why that is. And so the idea was, how can I get something that's really short and digestible for someone, but also explains how they can really take the handbrake off their own life? Um, and and so that was the reason for it. Can I give something that's, you know, that will take you a tenth of the time to read, but give 10 times the amount of value and charge nothing for it? I absolutely loved it. Like I say, I read it last week and I just love that you could read it all in one sitting. And I know I'm kind of that person that I buy book after book after book and they'll sit there on my bedside table until I end up just putting them on a shelf because I'm like, oh, I just don't have time for this. Kind of wish that there was a way that you could just extract everything like you were saying and just inject it straight into your veins. And it's kind of like what this book does. It just takes all the best bits like you were saying. So I will put the link for the in my show notes as well. Um, how else can people find you and work with you? Because I know you've got like an extensive YouTube library, haven't you? Yeah. So what I would say is, yeah, obviously working with me one to one is normally very expensive for a lot of people. So I don't have super conscious coding free out there. Um, just because, frankly, it needs to be really personalized to, to actually do what you want it to do. But I do have 100 free hypnosis tracks that people can look at on YouTube that's more conventional, really nice visualizations. They can take advantage of that. They just type in Scott Lester Woods into YouTube. They'll be able to find those tracks immediately. Type in Scott Lester Woods into Instagram. You'll find a lot of content there as well. Uh, ScottLesterWoods.com. Probably see the pattern here. Um, <laughs> so just just my name. You'll be able to you'll be able to find me, and, and hopefully there'll be something free that you can grab and and again find find as valuable as Mark did. Amazing. I watched the Manifest uh, Wealth one yesterday on YouTube. Mm. And I think I must have drifted off about 10 minutes in, but that might have just been me being hypnotized. And I woke up just as it was ending. Yes. And I took this great big yawn and I was like, oh, you know, when you just feel like an energy boost, yes. I felt so lethargic all yesterday and it just gave me such a huge energy boost. So yeah. if nothing else, it did that. <laughs> well, to be fair, a lot of hypnosis and also the process that we had. And again, you, you'll be able to, I keep talking about these brain scans. You can see them in the, you know, in the guide, I feel like a book is a bit is a bit generous. It's it's more like a guide, but it's like it's yeah, got yeah. You know, the value of of a lot of books. Um, is that when you're feeling quite lethargic, that delta wave that we spoke about, you're going to see a lot of that at the very front of your brain. Mm -hmm. This basically just makes that disappear. Yeah. So when people wake up, they feel sort of alert and refreshed, and they feel like, oh, I feel like I've had a power nap, and I'm ready to go now. Um, so it's it's wonderful that you got to experience that yourself. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate you being here. And for anyone that is wanting to find out more information on Scott, you can see all of his details in the show notes for today's episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to follow, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you'd like to do on whatever platform you're listening from. And I'll see you all next Friday for another episode. Thanks very much, guys. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.